0: To claim that you believe a dead man came alive is offensive to some people. It's fighting words. It's claiming that the physically impossible is actual. This is what got Paul in trouble. It's the same gospel testimony that you and I believe. This is Acts chapter 25, verse 13. Several days later, remember he just appealed to go to Caesar, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. Okay, quick word of context with Agrippa and Bernice. There's a pretty gross love story going on here. You've got an incestuous relationship, as documented in other historical texts, and they're always together. When they've just shown up to give a, uh, pay a courtesy call on Festus, who's the procurator who's uh, presiding over Paul's case. He has inherited the case from Felix. Since they were staying there several days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king, saying, There's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked that he be condemned. I answered them that it is not the Roman custom to give someone up before the accused faces the accusers and has an opportunity for a defense against the charges. So when they had assembled here, I did not delay. The next day, I took my seat at the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in. The accusers stood up, but brought no charge against him of the evils I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion. Right, remember, he's an outsider to Judaism and what Christianity is. It's Christianity is viewed as like this sect of Judaism. So it's like a non-Star Wars fan seeing Star Wars fans argue about something. and just, I, I don't know what this is. They had uh, Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus, a dead man, Paul claimed to be alive. So here, Festus gets to the crux of what's going on as he explains it to King Agrippa and Bernice, what's really going on here, he had no idea about the, 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 the Jewish disputes. None of the accusations that the Jews had made against Paul had stuck. And, and the, way that, the, way that, the way that Festus interpreted it all was, I've just inherited this prisoner from Felix. There's some dispute about Judaism, but what I do know is that Paul makes this certain claim about Jesus, and he calls Jesus a dead man. So it's clear that in his description of Christianity, he's just disavowed Christ. To call Jesus a dead man is to disbelieve in Christianity. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul would describe it this way. Our whole faith is built upon the resurrection of Jesus. And if if the resurrection of Jesus were not true, then everyone who has died in Christ is still dead in their sins. And there is no resurrection from the dead. There's no way, there's no hope of salvation. We are to be pitied beyond anybody else if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Here's a beautiful proof that you can offer getting ready for our apologetic series. The disciples of Jesus died because of their testimony in the resurrection of Jesus. People don't die for what they know to be a lie. This, this exact reason right here, the, the martyrdom of the disciples who, to their very last breaths, facing violent deaths, boiled alive in oil, crucified upside down, I mean, you name it, the disciples went through it and they all adhered to their testimony the resurrection of Jesus. That historical fact has been referenced by more than one militant atheist that I have known who's come to Christ. It all comes down to the resurrection of Jesus. Festus has made clear where he stands, but Paul has made it clear what he believes as well. He has claimed that Jesus is in fact not dead, but alive. This is what Christianity hinges upon. And it's actually a beautiful word of hope should you face opposition on the front of the resurrection of Jesus and its physical physical impossibility? If you're speaking with a militant atheist who adheres to evolutionary biology to the, to the fullest extent, okay, I personally, I believe in what's called microevolution. That is where you see subtle, tiny changes on the microscopic level, or you can observe a flock of finches whose beaks change shape over the course of certain generations. That's It. We don't have any record, nor will we ever, of macro evolution, where, say, an alligator and a bird share a common ancestor. Right? There's no changing of species from generation to generation. None of that has ever been observed. Uh, But we do observe micro evolution, if you will. If you somebody adheres to macroevolution to the utmost, and they do so not out of compulsion for a belief in the scientific method, but as a means of escaping their culpability under God for judgment for the sins that we commit, then they necessarily believe in something called abiogenesis. Abiogenesis is life from non-life, life from nothingness. They will likely refer to an experiment by Miller and Urey in which they kind of electrocuted some electrocuted some, some stuff in a vial that produced amino acids and mostly tar, mostly stuff that was toxic to life. It, produced, it proves absolutely nothing. It also begs the question of where the substance came from that would have been electrocuted in the first place. What Miller and Urey were trying to do was replicate the primordial soup that may have been struck by lightning, giving rise to the first single-celled organism that would lead to life itself. There's, there's no way life could come from non-life. So when you facing an anti-christian atheist saying that the resurrection is impossible, you're hearing that from someone who believes in insurrection. When a militant atheist disagrees with the resurrection of Jesus, the very crux of Christianity, saying it's physically impossible for someone who is dead to become alive again, they are demonstrating tremendous hypocrisy because they believe in abiogenesis. They believe that something that was never alive before is now life, that there was no life at all, and then suddenly all of life begins. So the resurrection of the dead at least involves someone who was once alive now alive again. Insurrection is absolutely untenable. All right. To to believe abiogenesis is completely untenable. All of our whole Christian testimony hinges upon this. It's what became the, the crux of Festus' understanding of Paul's testimony while he was on trial. And likewise, you and I, it comes down to the resurrection of Jesus. All of Christianity hinges upon this. Defend the resurrection of Jesus with your very life. Look at Paul. He's on trial. First, under felix now under festus and it's more the same the jews are still trying to kill him and all the while he maintains his testimony in the resurrection of jesus if paul can hold steadfastly to his testimony in the resurrection of jesus even facing death you and i can bring up the gospel one more time to our crazy uncle at the family reunion you and i can face the trials and tribulations of a thumbs down on something we put out on social media. I mean, imagine when you're going to meet Paul in heaven. Don't be embarrassed, okay? Don't let yourself be embarrassed. Not that you're able to be embarrassed in heaven, but don't let yourself be embarrassed if there were a comparison between Paul's willingness to share the gospel, even before Festus, facing execution eventually, and your unwillingness to share the gospel facing an angry emoji on your Facebook post that includes the gospel. If Paul can share the gospel in these circumstances, you and I can share the gospel in these circumstances. This is the book of Acts, and it's still playing out today. Let's live this out together. Are you ready? Go.